You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Kenny Ortiz. This is Theology for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for being a part of the audience for this podcast. I am so super grateful for you. This is episode 223, and in this episode, I'm going to be answering a question that came from a regular listener uh, by email. A guy by the name of Josh is asking about Bible translations and asking some some super important questions that I think are vital uh, because they really do impact um, our theology and what we what maybe we believe about God it may impact our Christianity and so I think there's some really good stuff here let me read to you just a, a few portions of Josh's email it's a little bit of a long email so I'm not going to read the whole thing um, he says hey Ortiz I'm wondering if the fact that the Bible was not written in English makes many parts of it misinterpreted um, later in the email he says are there sections that should be taken literally or vice versa Um, I think what he means there is he's saying, you know, are there parts of the Bible that maybe we take literally, but we shouldn't? And are there parts of the Bible that maybe we don't take literally that we should? And and the fact that maybe, you know, they're they're written in a different language or we're reading it in English, does that cause us to sort of miss things? Or are things lost in translation uh, to some extent? I think that's what Josh is is asking about. Um, Later in his email, he says this, how much does this impact the modern religious world or is this nothing significant? Again, really great question. And then I'll read one other portion later in his email. He says this, another question, how far from the original text can one get before it is not considered truly reading the Bible? Um, Then he makes mention about the fact that he's been reading a drama or listening to a dramatized version of the Bible, uh, specifically the English Standard Version and... He says that you know not every word of the Bible is being read in the audio version or the dramatized version, and so you know he's trying to think to himself, hey, am I missing something here? Is this really considered the scripture? Um, really great, great thoughts from Josh. Great question. Um, I really appreciate these these types of questions because it shows me that that Josh is really thinking critically uh, in a way that I believe is helpful. And so excited to dive in and answer this question. Let me address the the the, uh, the the latter question first. The question about how far do you have to get away from the Bible before you're no longer actually reading the Bible or no longer engaging with the Word of God? Um, that's a really good question that I don't know that I have a clear answer to. I think though, if you're reading a Bible translation or audio, you know, listening to a Bible translation where where the the translators that produced that particular Bible really were seeking to give you um, what the original writers were writing, then I think you're you're, you're going to be safe. Um, there are some cases where the where the Bible translator is not really purposely giving you the words that the original person wrote. They're giving you a paraphrase. For example, the Message Bible. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who by the way is a brilliant writer, a brilliant author, uh, really a great thinker, great philosopher. Uh, I think he's a good theologian, not a great theologian, but a good theologian. Um, He has uh, this paraphrase of the Bible called the Message Bible. Many of you are probably very familiar with the message. Um, It is not a Bible. Um, But Eugene Peterson, when he created the message, he wasn't trying to create a Bible. He was trying to create a paraphrase. He was trying to purposely come up with something that would give people an understanding of what's in particular passages of Scripture in a more poetic nature. Um, 
And so he, he adds words to the Bible. He takes things away, but he's not trying to give you a Bible translation. Like he makes it very clear. It's a paraphrase. Um, so I think when people read the message translation, the message Bible, as if, as if it's a Bible, you can get in some serious trouble. You can grossly misunderstand the word of God. Um, but Eugene Peterson, he's simply paraphrasing, um, which is no different than what a lot of pastors do on Sunday morning, right? Whenever I preach on Sunday morning to our local church, I will read a passage of scripture and then I'll explain that passage of scripture, right? I'll, I'll paraphrase it or I'll reword it in a way that to help the people better understand it. That's a part of my job as a preacher. Well, that's, that's basically what Eugene Peterson is doing with his message Bible. He is, in essence, rewording the Bible and, and paraphrasing it to help readers better understand the concepts that are in those particular passages. And he does it in a very uh, descriptive, very poetic, really in a beautiful way. Um, so if, if you're reading it as you're the Bible, you're in trouble because it's not the Bible. It's one man's paraphrase and interpretation of English translation of the Bible, right? It, so you can get into some serious trouble there. Now, again, Peterson is a, a brilliant thinker, philosopher, a writer in a lot of ways. So I'm not, I'm not dogging him for that. I'm just making sure we understand like, hey, don't read the message Bible as if it's actually a Bible. Read it as if it's a paraphrase. Um, and I think the message Bible is a great example. There are, there are a variety of other Bible translations out there that really actually aren't translations. They're actually paraphrases. Um, but if it's a paraphrase and the Bible translators are trying to pass it off as if it's a Bible, um, that that's a trouble. That's troublesome for me. That makes me not want to trust them. If I'm honest, where Eugene Peterson comes across and says, "Hey, this isn't a Bible. This is this is a paraphrase." He makes that very clear. Um, so so I I can I can appreciate what he's trying to do when he created the message, um, and so. As long as you're reading a Bible where they are actually trying their best to interpret or translate the original language into English, then you're probably going to be safe. I think that is the, that is sort of, that's a thought process. Um, and there are other paraphrases out there that I think are valuable. Um, the Phillips Bible is one that I've read often. It's a British uh, a British paraphrase that I think is is really cool and unique, and I quoted it in my book, and I've used it uh, on the podcast. So the Phillips paraphrase, but again, it's not a Bible; it's a paraphrase. So just so be cautious when you're doing that. Um, so to answer Josh's second question, as long as you're reading a translation where the translators were seeking earnestly in good faith to actually translate what the actual words were from the original languages into English, you're going to be safe. Um, and now on the heels of that, I think we can easily then answer Josh's first question, and that is, are there, you know, are there things being lost in translation? Well, the answer is yes, no doubt. There, there are some things, but for the most part, they're pretty insignificant um, in terms of the overall narrative of the scripture. Now, as I read through a particular passage, there may be lots of little nuances and lots of little intricate things that... I won't understand in English because they are only they only make sense in the original language. There there are lots of things like that for sure. But there is no passage of scripture or very few passages of scripture where where the overall understanding of that passage is being grossly misunderstood. And that's and we can be confident because we have the originals. Like we know what was written. We know the language they were written. They were written in Hebrew, they were written in Aramaic, they were written in Koine Greek, which was the Greek of the day, the, the common Greek tongue or, or, or dialect of the day. Um, 
and and while they were written while the, the original scriptures are written in in langu- in in versions of those languages that are ancient and seem antiquated um we still can understand them. We can piece together the ancient Hebrew, the ancient Aramaic. We can piece together the first century Koine Greek. And and we really, we, we, we have a really good understanding. When I say we, I mean, you know, Christianity as a whole, because we have so many scholars that have worked diligently on this. Um, the work of Bible translation, by the way, is extremely difficult. It is a tedious, uh, arduous task. It is a big deal. But we thankfully have literally thousands of brilliant scholars that have worked really hard that have conferred with one another that have that are well educated and well studied that have worked really really hard to produce really good translations and we consistently have new translations coming out that are better and better and so and we keep finding more historical manuscripts to help us confirm and verify that we do have the original languages properly and that we keep archaeologists keep finding new archaeological fi- you know things and discovering things that help that help confer and verify uh, confirm and verify that the scriptures are true and so there's lots of scholarly work both in the realm of textual criticism which is the science of 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 uh, critically examining the original manuscripts, um, there is lots of scholarly work in in linguistics. There's lots of scholarly work in history. There's lots of scholarly work in archaeology and anthropology. And we've got not, there's not just like a handful of people that are just kind of pulling the strings. It's not just like Illuminati conspiracy theories. Like we have thousands upon thousands of scholars that have written lots and lots of, of books and essays and dissertations like there's a there's an ample amount of research that has been produced and we can be confident that the original writings have not been changed they have not been corrupted and that they have been translated with with really great accuracy for the most part if there are passages that should be interpreted word for word and literally most translators do a good job of doing that. If there are moments where it should be translated a little more loosely because it's poetic or there's some imagery there, um, some translators, I think, do a really good job of giving us the overarching narrative of the passage and, and getting it pretty accurate. Like our, the Bible translators we, we have, you know, before, I mean, even the ones that have, you know, that have that lived in previous generations that have already died and the ones that are living today, like the thousands of scholars working on these sorts of projects day in and day out, have really produced some really great work. And by the way, they're not at all Christians. Like there are lots of great Bible scholars and textual critics that aren't even Christians, but they're doing great work that is helping us understand the scriptures and making sure that we're not missing it. Um, so the answer to Josh's question, in short, no, there's not a lot of things being missed in translation. There, there, they just aren't. Like we can say that confidently. If there's anyone out there that says that, quite frankly, with all due respect. That person is just ignorant of the facts. They just they just don't really know what work is out there, what, what sort of quality scholarly work has actually been put in uh, over the centuries and then also going on today as we speak. There is some fantastic scholarly work going on. So, uh, so the answer in short is no, for the most part, we are not m- missing things in translation that matter, like the overarching things, right? So for example, if I go to John chapter 3, The overarching message of John chapter 3 is clear to me in English. I'm not missing what the Holy Spirit wanted me to get there. Um, And a lot of the the intricacies in the passage are also clear in English. Um, Are there some nuances and some intricacies 
some double entendre on some individual small things that maybe I might not fully understand because I'm not reading it in the original Koine Greek. Yes, I, I will concede that. There may be some nuances, some small things, but the overall uh, message of that passage, the overarching narrative and the theological truths that are presented in John chapter 3 are very clear in English. Um, is it clearer and, and more direct if I may able to read it in the original language? Absolutely, of course. But you're not missing anything by reading it in English or you're not missing anything that really matters. Uh, there are very, very few verses in the Bible where where you only you have to read it in the original language to fully get it. There are a few moments in scripture where that may exist, but they're extremely rare and they're extremely nominal in their importance. Um, that is the reason why I do believe it's important for pastors and preachers to be very uh, to be very focused on quality expository preaching. That's why I also think it's important for pastors and preachers to be well-trained in what we call hermeneutics. That's the science of preaching and studying the scriptures. Um, I think it's really important for pastors and preachers to have at least a little bit of understanding of the original languages. You know, I mean, I know pastors that have never taken Greek or Hebrew, and that makes me a little bit nervous. I mean, we have some great software today that maybe you don't need to take it, um, I guess, but that makes me a little bit nervous if you've never studied it at all, even if you haven't taken a, an actual Bible course on it. Um, at least, like, study it to some extent. Like, read some books, read some textbooks, you know, take a class or essays or YouTube videos or something. Like, a pastor or a preacher who's never done any study or work with the original languages at all, uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it makes me a little bit nervous because now you're dealing with the passages of Scripture and you may be missing out some things that maybe would be valuable for you to bring to your people. So I think it's important for pastors to, uh, to kind of up their game, so to speak, when it comes to the original languages and do some study in that regard because it could be helpful so that, so that whenever you do come to a passage of Scripture where maybe there is a nuance there that is being missed in the English, you as the pastor can now bring it to the table and say, hey, let me present to you. There's something in this verse that is being missed in the English and being lost in translation. Again, it's going to be nominal. It's not going to be of significance. It's not going to be major in theological nature. Um, it's going to be rare that this even happens, but in the cases where it does happen, a pastor who has been well-trained in the original languages, or at least somewhat trained in the original languages, can bring that to the table and can be helpful. So uh, overall, Josh, I would say to you, no, you can be, you no, know, we're not missing anything in translation. You can be confident that the overarching message of the scripture is being understood properly by most Christians, that the, the Bible translators and scholars that have worked on our behalf have done a fantastic job, and that, that if you are missing anything in translation, that they are, they're pretty small, they're pretty insignificant, they're not going to impact your life, they're not going to change your theology or your view of Christianity, they're going to be relatively nominal and insignificant. Last thought, there are indeed a few passages, pretty rare, there are a few passages where we do exactly what Josh was asking, where we're taking it literally, where it should be taken metaphorically or less literally, or some passages that maybe we're not taking as literally, we should take a little more literally. literally. Um, again, uh, that is rare, but it does happen. It's mostly in the Old Testament, and it's mostly with some uh, imagery or passages that are written in a poetic nature. For example, Genesis chapter 1. When you read it in the Hebrew, it is abundantly clear. Genesis chapter 1 is written in a very uh, poetic, 
symbolic, metaphoric manner. The rest of Genesis is not written that way. If you could read it in the Hebrew from Genesis 2 through 50, it is written like a history book, like a journal almost. Genesis chapter 1, however, is not written that way at all. It's drastically different. And therefore, how we approach Genesis 1 should be different than how we approach the rest of Genesis. But if you read that in English, you're not going to get that. So that again, it doesn't happen often. It's extremely rare, but there are a few passages where that does come into play. Uh, there's a handful of them. Genesis 1 is sort of the, the major one that, that stands out to me. There are a few others, but that's kind of the, the significant one. Uh, with that said, we're going to do some future episodes about Genesis chapter 1 and how you should interpret Genesis chapter 1, because I think when it comes to English translation, that's the passage where, where it kind of matters the most. In most other cases in the Old Testament, where there is kind of a common misunderstanding, where we're taking it literally when we shouldn't, typically... It, it's not really all that big a deal. It doesn't really matter that much, but but it does matter a lot on how we approach Genesis chapter one. So we'll, we'll devote several episodes just to that. So Josh, great question. Thank you so much for asking. Really appreciate it. I want everyone listening to this to be confident that if you're reading a quality English translation, like you know the ESV, the CSB, the Holman, uh, the NLT, even the NIV, there are lots of great translations that have been given to us by lots of great scholars. You can be confident the English translation in your reading, uh, assuming it's one of those good ones, um, that the English translation in your reading does indeed give you the message that God wants you to get. You are not missing out or losing anything of significance. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful and insightful. Josh, thanks again for sending that email. Uh, for anyone listening to this, if you have a question or a topic that you want me to address in a future episode of the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email or tweet at me. I love Twitter. You can find me there. My email address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. And my Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Hey, to ensure that you never miss an episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the show in your Apple iTunes player or in whatever your favorite podcast player happens to be. That'll guarantee that every episode gets delivered directly to your device. And if the podcast has been a blessing to you, do me a huge favor. Head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, tell the world you love the podcast. Those are a big, big help to the show. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.